0: Greetings, fellow visitors. This is Upgrade Terminal, a Star of Providence fancast. I'm Malakai. And I'm Nick.
1: Welcome back to the facility.
0: Nick, it's great to be here with you. Same,
1: man, same. Over here in the facility, it's nice to have some nice company.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's a nice place to be. There's a lot of scary things down uh you know, outside of the hub, but sitting here in the hub's pretty nice. <laughs> well,
1: sitting with friends is is what makes it enjoyable really.
0: Yeah. Well, what have you been up to this week?
1: So, for a couple of weeks now, I've been talking with a friend of mine and I've told him that one of the games I used to play a lot, like a lot a lot, was The Sims 2 for the PC. Mm-hmm. and how I had a lot of fond memories and spent a lot of time with it, and how I kind of I kind of wish they could play it with me, because it felt like the kind of game that they would really like to play. So, you know, I I went, I went about trying to see, okay, I still have my old, I still actually have the CD-ROM with me, and could I maybe find some way to play it together, and turns out uh, it's a game from 2004. It doesn't run well in machines (laughs) from almost 20 years later. So, after some searching and some uh, guides, I managed to find a way to make it happen. Now, yeah, now we're, I've got the Sims installed with a a lot of expansion packs, including ones that I didn't buy. (laughs) And now we're just we we're playing Sims 2 together, and you know, we've made the Sims, and now we're in the process of building just a really nice house. Because, uh, spoilers, the game has built in cheats to just give your Sims as much money as you want, so you can just make a, a house as fancy as you want. Oh, so nice. So, we're going now through the process of like, okay, we're building like a floor plan of the house we want to build, and like, okay, we're gonna get, we have like this color palette that we're making and we're decorating each part room by room and it's just been a really nice process this kind of creative process and it's brought back some nice memories that uh, of me playing this a long long time ago and now i get to share it with someone else
0: that's so wonderful mm-hmm. i think there are games that everyone's nostalgic about but to revisit it be able to install it and then play it with a friend that's that sounds really nice nick
1: mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's, it's been delightful, and honestly, I just wish we, we did even more of it, <laughs> or that I had looked into it sooner, because yeah. this was an option that was always there, but I'm enjoying it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can make up for lost time. Yeah. What about you, Malachi? This week, there's been a couple things that have been really nice. Um, one is just this evening, actually, I had a chance to uh, meet up and with a friend of mine that I haven't seen in quite a while. Uh, we work in the same industry, so it's always kind of fun to, uh, to talk shop with one another.
1: Um, mm-hmm. But we met
0: up at a local tavern. Mm-hmm. And I used to go to this tavern quite a lot. And uh, he's not a bouncer, but like the, the guy that cards people when they come in, I, I mean, mm-hmm. technically I guess he's a bouncer, but this isn't the kind of, it's not a nightclub. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to, recognize me. You know, if I show up there, he's like, oh, hey, welcome in, man. And Mm -hmm. it was always such a really nice feeling. I hadn't been there uh, for probably almost a year Mm -hmm. uh, for various reasons, just got really busy and such. And I went in there tonight uh, to meet my friend and I saw this bouncer, this this door guard, and uh, he's like, I need to see ID. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, man, he forgot who I was. And he's like, no, I'm just kidding, man it's been a long time Welcome, back. and he got me so good but it was such a cool feeling and I just I really like that guy I don't know who he is he doesn't know who I am really but he recognizes me as a regular and that's such a great feeling I just really appreciate that uh, he's been so welcoming to me over the last few years <laughs> anyway it's a small thing but uh, he's a nice guy Nick, one thing I've thought about a lot over the years um, is games that I've spent a lot of time in um, often end up feeling almost like a semi-real place Um, just because I've spent so much time in that digital world, um, exploring it, inhabiting a character in that world that it takes on kind of a, a... life of its own in my in my mind, in my imagination.
1: So what you're saying is that because you spend so much time thinking about this place and navigating in this space, you start thinking of them in the same ways that you would physical spaces.
0: Yeah, I think it's a common. I mean, there are a lot of video games that I've played that don't end up feeling this way. For me, it's always a game where the story or the world engages me so much that it, I start to imagine um, beyond the borders of the game itself.
1: This feeling that the game world is in some sense alive and it exists beyond what you can see. And that there is, it feels like if you just were able to just go a little bit further and go beyond the trees of the mountain, you would find even more to explore.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are games that that kind of have this innate sense of 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 life that it is a, a living world, and if if it's a world that you kind of click with and engage with, I think the imagination kind of naturally wants to expand upon it. And you know, the best example I can think of for this is a game called Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Hmm. I pl- I played this on the GameCube with my little brother, and this game is hands down one of the greatest video game experiences I've had uh, uh, of all time. Mm -hmm. Not because the game itself is amazing. In fact, uh, they re-released it, um, Mm -hmm. I want to say a couple years ago, like a remastered version, and it was a pretty poor remaster overall. But of course, I picked it up and played it and enjoyed it. But I realized that what made it really magic was the time I spent inside the game with my brother Mm-hmm. um because that made it feel even more like a real place. <laughs> it was a shared space. Yes, yes, it was a sh- it was a shared space and I mean I can even to this day I can I can close my eyes and I can imagine many of the spaces that we spent time in fighting monsters, buying things at the market and it feels not like a real place but like a tangible place that I was once at.
1: Mhm.
0: This Concept has always fascinated me. You know, I I think it's so neat that video games can do this. Um, It's always spoken to me of the power of video games as art and as a medium that can connect people and make us feel things and uh, think things and, uh, you know, really uh, cause us to uh, expand our horizons uh, through imagination. Are there any games that you feel similarly about?
1: Well, you know what? When we sat down to Talk about this episode. I thought I did. And then you started talking. I'm like, oh, no, wait. He means something so much more profound and
0: poetic than what I thought of. Nah, I'm not profound and poetic. No, 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 hit me with what you got. Hit me with what you got. I, get, I, will, I
1: will stress this is, not, this is definitely not the same, I guess, perspective that you have just now elaborated on. Mm-hmm. But anyway, one game in which I did spend a lot of time in is a multiplayer first-person shooter called Team Fortress 2. I don't mm. know if you've seen it at least. Of course. Yeah. So the spaces in that game are the maps themselves, the maps in which the fighting takes place. Mm-hmm. I have spent hundreds of hours in several maps. And when I say that, I mean that sometimes I would boot up the game and go to a map, like go to an empty server Mm -hmm. and just explore the map, right? Like the map of the game devoid or separated from its objective, devoid from its gameplay purpose, as it were, and just explore it for what it is, sort of separated from its context. And that was really just an interesting experience. And you start to notice all the details or the all the doors and rooms that are just set dressing to sort mm-hmm. of vaguely contextualize this place. Oh, it's a spy base. Oh, it's, a, it's an outpost. Or, you know, it is this uh, front for this corporation. And you have all of this set dressing that is just meant to sort of, you know, facilitate this vague narrative Mm -hmm. but when you start looking at it it's like well what what's over there like what's what's beyond that fence what's beyond that door what's that room i can look into you know what are all these props scattered around like (laughs) like normally when you're playing you don't give these a second thought this is you're just thinking hallways doors arenas you know Mm -hmm. you think of them for what purpose they serve for gameplay. But when yeah. you take that out and you start looking at how is it actually built, what objects are there,
0: what is the setting, it takes on a different meaning. I know that feeling you're talking about. As you were describing this, it's like, oh, I've done that with friends on Halo maps back in mm-hmm. the day.
1: Yeah. But I, I guess, in a sense, it's this weird paradox in that when you're playing a the game, the, sort of, the objective kind of is the thing that's, that you focus on. And everything mm-hmm. else is just set dressing that is just meant to sort of facilitate the, the context for what you're doing. So you're not focusing on it, so it doesn't seem important. But if that's not there, then the world just feels so much more barren and abstract and untethered. Because hmm. if you just put because if you just have a level that's just boxy rooms and featureless corridors, that is very rapidly uninteresting or not appealing. But as soon as you put some objects, oh oh you put a desk here, oh you put a water cooler here and some chest here, suddenly it's an office building. And now you're thinking, what does this place do? do exactly within the narrative what is this place why are we here
0: i think you and i have both spent enough time in the walls of the facility of star providence that it occupies a a large portion of our imagination
1: i'm I, I would say so,
0: yes. Have you seen the movie Inside Out, the Pixar film? Yes, I have. <laughs> so you know how the girl, Riley, in her brain, there's an island for every, like, for the family island, the sports island, the uh-huh. goofy island. Uh-huh. I think both of us have a Star of Providence island in our brain. I, I definitely do. I know you do. I don't know if that's how I would conceptualize it, but sure, let's go with that. <laughs> But we we have both spent a lot of time in that virtual place. Yes. And today we kind of want to talk together about each floor of the place and our thoughts on it and some of our experiences there.
1: Before we go on, I do want to make a bit of a disclaimer regarding this episode. Although all of the floors and the rooms that you see in game are, they're definitely there and we've all seen them. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we're going to say in this episode is speculation, of, from our part and our own head cannons or interpretations from those floors and rooms. Right, so you mm-hmm. should take everything we're about to say with a bit of a grain of salt. There are many possible and valid interpretations of what you see, and mm-hmm. we're not trying to say that ours are the only valid ones or the best ones. You can have your own idea of how this all fits together. And that's perfectly fine. The devs might just outright say, "Uh, no, you guys, you just, you got it wrong. And, you know, it happens. But I just want to stress, you know, this is not gospel. This is just how Malachi and I interpret what the game shows us. And if you have your own interpretation, feel free to share it with us.
0: Yeah. We'd love to hear some additional interpretations. Absolutely. So the first floor is, of course, where we're going to start, and that is the excavation. The facility itself was built on top of it, and Klein's tells us that the excavation is even older than the facility.
1: Mm, Interesting.
0: I have always imagined that the facility is actually kind of a cover for what was going on beneath it. You know, it's like a, the facility was some sort of nefarious corporation that discovered the power eternal or the floors below the excavation mm-hmm. and built their facility on top of it to hide what they were actually doing. Ah, uh, yes,
1: the seven evil CEOs of the Council. Exactly.
0: Yes. Yeah, and we never we never uh, see the floors above. The excavation, or above the hub rather, and I kind of imagine it like a—it's probably like a big office building. I mean, there were definitely some paper pushers, right? Someone has to be running this whole thing. Yeah, Exactly. For all we know, Warden's office was—you uh, know—up at the top.
1: <laughs> I, I do think I do want to point one thing out is that uh in contrast to all the other floors, and the next one we're going to talk into is the archives, is that the excavation is that it's not a place that's necessarily built. Like, everything below it is a floor that is built and has a function, mm-hmm. supposedly. The excavation, it's just... You just removed it, the earth. It kind of gives a different feel of, like, the architecture is less... rooms with specific purposes. It's mm-hmm. just... The halls and spaces that, are, that you find after the earth has been removed. So... It ha- kind of has a different feel of like you're not quite in the in such a constructed space, and it's more just, you know, what what you find under the under the earth, and it's the more earth and rock than steel and wood. Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd actually never thought of that, but that's right. <laughs> that's very true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> digging. Everyone's been there digging. Mm-hmm. Who was digging? We don't know. But they did a lot of it
1: i mean the 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 one uh kind of thing where Malik and I kind of not so much disagreed but saw different ways is like, was the excavation like did they excavate because the power eternal was here, and like they found it and detected it and went, oh we should go down there, or was that just uh what was the, how how did we say it how was the other way we said that? Like the the flip side of that possibility,
0: so either the excavation was started by the council, mm-hmm. and the the ruins below existed before the council, or they were created by the council, right? That we're referring to.
1: Yes, thank thank you for reminding me. That's that's how we said it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but again, we're we're dealing with incomplete information here. So there there's many ways to interpret this
0: yeah let's take the elevator down to the next floor
1: the floor beneath the excavation the second floor is the archives so already already just the title alone the archives already tells us something quite interesting you know, mm-hmm. the idea that this floor is where there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of research that is being held here you know yeah. You see, you, you, you imagine shelves, bookcases, libraries, you know, cards with information, you know. What exactly is being archived down here? What kind of information is being held, you know? Is it perhaps research on the schools of magic? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Is it information about the power eternal, the eternal domain, the ritual required to summon forth that power?
0: How to open a doorway to the void
1: hmm and whatever creatures might be on the other side of it. Mm. I theorize, it's just it's just my head canon, that maybe you know, you, you see there's it's full of records everywhere, but they are in a language that your character cannot understand. Mm. It is a completely different language. So the information is there. It's just inaccessible to you, in a sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, one thing you had mentioned too is uh, Kleins, the cat, seems to know a lot about the facility and enemies and the council and what happened before we got there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the archives could be where Kleins learned as much as he knows. You know, if Kleins can read that language, and Kleins has spent a lot of time poking around down there. Maybe that's how Klein's gained all that that intel, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that's
1: definitely the case.
0: One thing also that I find interesting about the archives is there are candles throughout that are burning, mm-hmm. and this seems to imply that there are still other visitors or or you know native denizens to the facility that are going through the archives, maintaining them, perhaps even continuing to archive things. Someone's keeping the candles lit.
1: You're thinking perhaps the mages. That would make sense to me, yes. Like the keepers of the arcane knowledge, making sure it does not fall into anybody else's hands.
0: Well, an archive that big, I mean, usually archivists are very passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to archive as much as they can to preserve it. They've hoarded a lot of knowledge down there, and I'm sure they would continue to do that.
1: Yeah, speaking of you know, we talk, you know, we say all of the archives and all information, but we have to remember that the facility that we see is not the facility in its true heyday. Mm -hmm. What we are coming in after the calamity where upon a million souls have lost their home, this is what has remained of the facility, what remains of the archives. So there's the idea that there were previously just untold quantities of knowledge stored here. And you're just seeing whatever has survived everything, whatever has persisted throughout the years. So maybe a lot of it got Mm -hmm. lost along the
0: way. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, there could be incomplete records, incomplete archives.
1: Maybe in the knowledge of the runes or the the texts that the runes created have been burned.
0: Mm -hmm. So... When I first played Star Providence, I expected to encounter lore in the archives <laughs> just because I figured, yeah, I'll probably run into a book or something.
1: <laughs> I mean, nowadays, you kind of can run run into a book. It's not very friendly
0: uh, that's true that's the <laughs> a haunted book, <laughs> yeah.
1: but in a sense, the fact that the archives exist and that you know that they're there is lore. It tells you something about this world. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, the way that I conceptualize it it is it's just in a language that you cannot read. So it's useless to you.
0: Hmm. I like that. Moving on to the third floor below the archives is the maintenance system. This is the coldest part of the facility. There's lots of ice. Uh, there's lots of water. One thing you noted, Nick, is this is also something I never thought of, but that the maintenance system exists to probably cool the bellows and to prevent it from overheating. The bellows are the floor below the maintenance system.
1: Yeah. And we'll elaborate when we get to it, but like, I feel like the bellows are like the the engine of the facility. But the mm-hmm. maintenance system is the part where... You make sure that it's all running smoothly.
0: The enemies that you encounter there are probably maintaining the system in some way, if you will. (laughs) And uh, Iceworm specifically, you know, I've always imagined Iceworm patrols the maintenance system and is clearing out the natural pest that exists in the facility. What is the natural pest? In my imagination, it's the swarmers. The swarmers have always seemed like something that, you know, I don't think the council. Wants them there, but there's something that's very difficult to get rid of, and I think it's notable that Devourer is in the maintenance system, in almost seemingly almost in um, you know, like the sewer or the water, mm-hmm. and uh, I've imagined that Devourer is Iceworm's arch nemesis. You know, Iceworm's constantly patrolling the maintenance system, trying to clear out the swarmers, and Devourer is just constantly making new ones.
1: Well, swarmers are one of the few. Seemingly biological entities that live down here as -hmm. opposed to everything else that is mechanical and to some extent it makes sense that they would live in the maintenance system because that's where a lot of water is which pretty essential for life as we know it for there to be water so this is just kind of like the place where mold and little creatures would hide because they can sustain themselves in the crevices Mm -hmm. of the maintenance system (laughs) And I like yeah. that you imagine Iceworm as kind of the janitor of this place.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know why. I've just always thought that, you know, because I'm like, why would they have this giant mech down here?
1: <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of what we encounter are, are apparently weapons of war that are to some extent, extent being repurposed here. Another reason why I like the idea of like, oh, the the maintenance system and chills, the bellows, is I like the idea of like the entire facility as a whole is interconnected and their purposes are linked together in some way like they they're not just these separated chunks but they, they that there was in a sense a design mm, when yeah. this was all put together
0: yeah they're, they're they're separate pieces of a whole
1: yeah and
0: they work together yeah well, we should move right down to the bellows
1: the bellows, floor four, as I said, or, or at least my interpretation, the engine of the facility. This is where mm-hmm. the the thing that power that gives power to the rest of the facility, in a sense, the powers, the, the mundane power source of like electricity and heat, mm-hmm. not necessarily the arcane or the magical power source that would be somewhere else, but like, again, the more practical power source of like, well... Things need electricity, and electricity generation ends up generating a lot of heat. This is where it comes from. Perhaps, maybe, this is where a lot of mechs are built.
0: Mm. Yes, that's something I've always imagined, because the bellows are also what you find in a forge. Mm -hmm. And so the name the bellows has always implied to me that there was a forge, and it would only make sense that mechs and the mechanical... Uh, enemies that have metal were forged in the bellows, or at least partly forged in the bellows.
1: Yeah, and I also should point out that I think a lot of the mages are at least biomechanical, or they have had technology grafted into them Mm -hmm. as a way to sort of better harness their their schools of magic so maybe this is where that happens where mm. you know mechs are turned from mere disciples into these machines pardon part mechanical part magical
0: i think that would definitely be true for the fire mages because their leader <laughs> the grand pyromancer is in the bellos
1: yep ordinator the one of the council members is fought here and they specialize in the school of flames, so it makes sense that this place gets pretty hot down here. Mm-hmm. Which is why the maintenance system has to prevent it from overheating.
0: I think it's also notable that reactor and and the reactor's core are also located on the bellows, which ties into what you're saying about it being an engine and the power source.
1: Mm-hmm. Apparently must have a pretty good backup system because we kill that and the machine then the facility keeps on going. <laughs>
0: Yeah, somebody comes and plugs in a new reactor core every time we destroy it. <laughs> somebody comes up for maintenance system to fix it. That's what happens. <laughs> Even though we just
1: came through that and also destroyed it.
0: The, the the bellows makes a call. Hey, maintenance system. Yeah, a visitor came through again. Yeah, we need a new reactor core. Thanks. I mean,
1: if we want to talk IT system, uh, the the joke, I think, is that Demon from... That you see on floor two, he's the main IT guy, and he's 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 not a happy worker.
0: No, he is not. He's like a lot of IT workers. <laughs> Very tired. Shall we dive even deeper? Please. Let's step into the elevator once more and head down to the Sanctum, floor five. Mm-hmm. What do we find here? Something that, surprisingly, a lot of players don't notice right away are the murals on the walls. Um, yeah. I certainly didn't notice them right away because I was too distracted uh, looking at the bullets that were heading yeah. my way.
1: <laughs> Trying to not die.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the murals on the walls, t- I think, clearly denote some sort of cult-like following mm-hmm. of of Monolith and the Power Eternal. Mm-hmm. When I was hoping and praying that uh, Star of Problems would come to Switch, I i have the the sticker that is all of the mages like worshiping monolith on my Mm -hmm. switch pro controller (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i guess to denote my own cult-like following of this game (laughs) oh we've noticed but yeah it's it's this is a really nice little tidbit of world building because Mm -hmm. we never get an explanation as to what this was but the murals in and of themselves paint a very compelling picture of what this society was and how fanatical they were about their quest for power.
1: And it also serves as a subtle bit of foreshadowing for what is to come.
0: It does. And what's neat is you don't really realize that until you fought Monolith and come back through again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Indeed. And as you go down the floors you start to realize that there is increased security because floors one and two, the boss store is protected by just one Nimbus. And then in floors three and four, there's too many bosses, therefore two Nimbuses guarding the boss store. Then you get to floor five and there's three of them. Triple Nimbus. To some extent, this is just gameplay scaling. <laughs> mm-hmm. But conversely, it also paints the picture that the deeper you're going... You're going into deeper and deeper security areas that visitors are really not meant to get to. Mm-hmm. So, this is feeling like, okay, now you're really not supposed to be here. And the council or whoever built this is really trying to make sure that you don't go any further.
0: Yeah. Well, this is even more evident with the boss, Overlord, mm-hmm. which is a huge difficulty spike for players. Yep and also just an incredibly imposing mech. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is going to be the first real difficulty spike that a lot of players will encounter, because it has a enormous health pool, and its attacks are way denser than any of the other previous floor bosses.
0: Mm-hmm. And it also has three phases.
1: It's like, yay, you beat it. No, you didn't. <laughs>
0: onto the sixth floor.
1: For what it's worth, I give the sixth floor the nickname of "Forbidden." Mm-hmm. That's just what I call it. Anyway, we have touched on this floor a little bit before when we talked about how this game makes us feel and sort of you know the 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 aesthetic and the setting of it. But yeah, so, I'll try to not repeat myself too much. But anyway, this floor is the part that is closest to the source of the power eternal that is trapped underneath. This is a deeply scarred area. And what I mean by that is that all of the floors thus far, kind of by being named, you know what their purpose is. You know what they were meant to do. Mm -hmm. You know what role they played in the facility. The sixth floor, whatever it used to be, it is no it is no longer even recognizable like there are there's no like there's no sense of this being kind of a lift in place this is it's just right. a place that's been obliterated and destroyed and you don't even know what w- what was in here it's just barren and hostile to the point where like you know, you you reference the murals in floor five, mm-hmm. and floor six. There's no. Sometimes there's just holes, and when you look through them, you look you see something that doesn't even seem like a place or a real. It's just kind of this strange pattern, mm-hmm. and kind of make gives the sense of like. This is a surreal place. This doesn't feel real in the same way the others floors do. It's just strange and warped. And spooky. Yeah.
0: Um, because you're, you're also beginning to see uh, some scarier enemies. Mm-hmm. And also the walls themselves coming alive to fight you. <laughs> and uh, yeah. just ominous and threatening.
1: Yeah, to the point where down here, you will not find Bloke. Bloke is not here to help you anymore. <laughs> you, there's no upgrade terminal either. If you were hoping for a second
0: wind or artifact, uh, that's not coming for you. I'm sorry. I wasn't hoping for second wind because I never have that turned on.
1: Well, I know you don't, <laughs> but some, some players who are reaching Floor 6 in their earliest days kind of might be because it's... It's a very large
0: area, and it is very deadly. Uh, you can encounter Bloke if you find the Sunglasses cart, but then and only then will Bloke descend. Yeah,
1: And there is a very rare chance that you will find or spawn a shortcut room that has an upgrade terminal
0: in it. Mm, I've had that happen before, and it was an amazing feeling. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, but still... By default, none of these things are here. And that just only serves to heighten the sense of like, this place
0: is otherworldly and it is not kind to you. If you manage to get past that floor, you can head to nowhere.
1: Nowhere. A place of, and I, and I, and I, this is exactly what I wrote down here in my notes mm-hmm. of questionable reality. <laughs> because it seems more like a glitched memory from a failing computer than a physical place like it it doesn't feel like it feels even less real than and forbidden in a sense because mm-hmm. it just doesn't it feels it's made out of data than bricks and mortar
0: yeah and there's all sorts of weird combinations that you start to see You know, you're Mm -hmm. seeing pieces of every single floor of the facility, sometimes in the same room. And you're seeing enemies from all the floors, often in the same rooms. And then you're seeing like weird variants of enemies that you've seen before.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a a lot of parts of the facility has just been smashed together to create something. Mm -hmm. And that makes it highly unpredictable and very hard to survive. Like, There's definitely people, when they play through Floor 7, they're just praying for some other shop or some health because it is mean. It is a mean floor. Mm -hmm. There are shops in nowhere, aren't there? Yes, there are. Bloke will show up down there. I don't know why. He just does.
0: (laughs) Or a simulation of him.
1: Perhaps. (laughs) I mean... It has kind of been alluded to by the devs that, uh, for instance, the demon you fight in Floor 2 is not the real demon. It's just a hologram.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So holograms of council members potentially has some precedent.
0: Yeah, and it, I think a lot of people in the community have theorized about Nowhere being some sort of simulation or virtual reality. And I think, or at least I hope we get a little more of lore about that in the next update. It definitely mm-hmm. seems like we will from the uh, some of the teasers we've seen. hmm I would like that too. So there is another floor we need to talk about, which mm-hmm. is a side floor. It's another path you can take. We mentioned it, well, we mentioned one of the main denizens here, uh, the warden, the temple.
1: It's very odd. You enter Temple through like a handheld game device, and it's a cartridge, maybe? <laughs> I mean, I know you love cartridges and handheld gaming devices, Malachi, so maybe you have some comment on it?
0: Um, I've never really thought too hard upon a lore reason for this, but if I had to pull one out right now, it would be that Warden um, sealed the chaos God in a item that is of significance to himself, but maybe not to other people. So Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that would, that would be a good way to seal something, right? Like if it's like the whole uh, Indiana Jones thing when they're, uh, uh, they're trying to pick the Holy grail. Yes. Thank you. They're trying to pick the Holy grail and the first guy's like, Oh, you know, Jesus would have used, the coolest cup. And so he finds the like, the one that looks the fanciest. You know, maybe Warden was operating on uh, Indiana Jones logic and was like, you know what? I'm not going to seal Chaos God in anything fancy. No, 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 no. I'm going to seal him in a Game Boy because no one's going to pick that up and try to play it.
1: It's a bit of hiding it in plain sight sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. In, in a seemingly innocuous and trivial object, they're in shall be the prison for this
0: well warden himself enters the game boy enters the cartridge right Mm -hmm. and i gotta say if i had to seal some sort of ancient eldritch being inside something if i could seal him inside a game console or my pc and then i got to go in there that'd be pretty cool (laughs) i'd probably (laughs) use my powers to do that (laughs) but anyway we enter
1: the temple Mm -hmm. and immediately the first thing you see is a shrine to the council itself, seven statues of the, all mm. the council members
0: that they probably carved of themselves, or at least uh, requested that that be made. So it speaks to their hubris, I think, and uh, the, their hubris and pride that led to their downfall.
1: It's a it's a very old story that one. Pride yes, cometh before the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So already that just that makes a strong impression and tells you. This might have been a place of worship
2: mm. or a
1: shrine to their power and their accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And the irony is that now it is sealed away, sort of separated, removed from the facility. So the pl- the place that was used to extol their accomplishments and you know the power now no longer now is no longer exists and is rem and is inaccessible. So mm-hmm. I find that potential irony quite, quite delightful.
0: So the temple is also where Chaos God is sealed. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just a temple. It's essentially a prison. Right, Mm -hmm. which is a point that you've made. It's separated from the facility and it is some sort of separate dimension. And that Mm -hmm. becomes very clear when you unleash Chaos God.
1: Yeah, you're you're no longer in the facility at that. It becomes immediately apparent to you at that point, you're no longer in the facility. You're somewhere else entirely.
0: Yeah. And it's hard to say where that is, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not space, it's not that's not anywhere, it's just some sort of dimension, and you see Chaos God kind of rise out of whatever he rises out of.
1: (laughs) And like, adding to that is that this this floor has mini-bosses that do not appear anywhere else in the game, Mm
2: -hmm. enemies
1: that don't appear anywhere else in the game, and even the shopkeeper is not bloke. It's something else. So, this only adds to this disconnect from the facility. You know, there, there's still a connection there to some extent, mm-hmm. but it is in some, at the same time, it is someplace else entirely in so many ways.
0: Yeah, it's it's functioning separately. And I don't think it has anything to do directly, at least with, you know, Monolith, uh, mm-hmm. the Power Eternal. I mean, Chaos God seems to be separate from the Power Eternal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've uh, n- noticed, but when you defeat Chaos God, one of the weapons that you can get is a Grasp of Entropy. Mm-hmm. And it is a runic weapon, but it is not using the red runes that you associate with the Power Eternal and the Facility. Mm-hmm. It is its own kind of runes. And a lot of players... If by the way, if you haven't done what I'm about to tell you, go do what I'm about to tell you. It's a lot of fun. But you can take Grasp of Entropy all the way to Machine. The Machine uses the red runes of the Power Eternal and Grasp of Entropy completely nullifies so much of its attacks. Oh
0: really? I didn't yeah.
1: know. That. No. You, dude, you gotta do this. Seriously, if you go to the machine fight with Grasp of Entropy, any time it summons like those rune circles that shoot attacks, Mm -hmm. it just absorbs them. It just goes, nope. And it completely neutralizes them.
0: Wow. I'm still learning new things about this game.
1: (laughs) Oh. And you might know this. Some of you might not. If you go to fight Chaos Gond with a runic weapon, it will absorb that as well because it is still using the red runes of the Power Eternal. Hmm. Because remember, you unlock runic by defeating Monolith who has tapped into the Power Eternal itself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Malachi, i let you decide if you want to edit this out later, but the only exception to that is if you show up with a runic weapon that you have gotten from Hand of the First. Mm -hmm. Because Hand of the First uses not the red runes of the Power Eternal, not the white runes of Chaos God, but the green question mark runes of the Warden. What? And those those runes do not get
0: neutralized by Chaos God. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I never knew any of this. That is so cool. So this is basically three separate schools of magic that are...
1: Three separate sets of runes. Mm. non magic, runes. And so if you have Hand of the First transform into a runic weapon when you fight Chaos God, that is the one instance in which it will not absorb the runic weapon because it comes from a different set of runics.
0: That is awesome. Yeah. God damn, Team D13. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, I mean that that the whole thing was a, a big tangent, but I I felt I I wanted
0: to say it. Uh, worth it, worth it. I I did not know that. That is so cool.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's on the wiki too, actually,
0: oh, or at least it should be. <laughs> uh, if it's not, I know a couple guys we can speak to.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: Thanks so much for listening to our Star Providence fancast. Big thanks to Garros Law for allowing us to use his music and sound effects.
1: Please be sure to check out all of Garros Law's soundtracks on Bandcamp, Greatest Game soundtrack, Relics of the Past soundtrack, and the 5th Anniversary Edition soundtrack.
0: If you have any comments or suggestions for the show, reach out to us on Discord. We'll post the server link in the show description.
1: And there you will find fellow pilots to talk with and discuss the show. Thanks for listening. We'll hope you'll join us next time.
0: This is what you came for, isn't it? So be it.